We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. And when I look at you with my stars singing in your eyes, your frogs peeping in my ponds, I am made to ask, where do I end and you begin? You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 160, PH Factor. Where do I end and you begin? My body, your health. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. So here we are, TSP 160. However, technically it's really 161 because our first one is registered as 000. Uh-huh. We just passed 22,000 downloads. Congratulations and muzzle tov. Likewise to you. Not that that's the reason why we're doing the podcast, but uh, it always helps to get some references to uh, where we are. And by the way, 15,000 of that has come in the last 16 months. Very interesting. Because we're now talking to people all over. We're 30 countries plus now, and we've been getting a lot more feedback, especially with the last couple of episodes that have been dealing with subjects related to this whole COVID situation and our mental health and so on. Mm Mm-hmm. You and I came up with a title based on one of your poems. Oh, yeah. And the Mm -hmm. phrase was... Where do I end and you begin? My body, your health. So, speaking on the subject of health, let's talk about those people who were at our local hospitals. Well, in some respects... I don't want to talk about them, to be honest with you, because Mm. I feel that what they were doing in protesting at that site, at those sites of hospitals, Mm -hmm. was really unethical. Even with protesting, there are certain ethics involved where nonviolence is key and also not disrupting the healthcare system, I think, is pretty critical right now. And I think that was irresponsible of these people who are against the the mainstream to do that. I think they don't represent the majority of people, frankly, who are against the mainstream. I totally agree, and it certainly doesn't represent you and I. No, not in the least. I'd never do that kind of thing. However, having said that, we do take some issue with what's going on. Both of us feel in varying degrees. We may not totally agree with each other on everything, but uh, we both agree that the population at large is getting a one-sided message. Yeah. Absolutely. So we thought we'd center on maybe the most critical aspect of this whole situation, which is where does my bodily autonomy and my bodily integrity end and the common good begin? So, for example, I get conscripted into the army and the army sends me to Afghanistan to fight the Taliban. Mm-hmm. I volunteered for the army knowing that I might have to put my body in harm's way and my bodily integrity could be severely hampered if I get injured or shot or what have you. But that's something that is consented to by the recruits, the soldiers, etc., to go there and do that for country and for other kinds of reasons. That's understandable. But to liken the fight against COVID to a war, which many people do, I think is inaccurate, and I don't think it's incumbent upon every living person on the planet to perhaps, 
because we don't know, mm -hmm. perhaps endanger their bodily health by taking a vaccine that is still in the experimental stage, essentially. Mm -hmm. So that's the crux of the matter. People are saying, my body, my health, my choice. Mm -hmm. And others are saying, sorry, your body and your health doesn't matter if your choice will badly affect the health of the nation. Mm -hmm. That's and, the issue. And that's assuming that you all agree that it's actually affecting the health of the nation. Well, exactly. And there are assumptions in that that are questionable in a way, mm -hmm. too. It can be questioned. So mm -hmm. it's not a done deal is what I'm saying. People often, and I see it everywhere on social media, are trying to simplify a very complicated situation mm -hmm. as if all we need are some simple, straightforward protocols. You do them and we'll be through with this. And mm -hmm. that's the attitude of the majority, it seems now. Mm -hmm. uh, of the population. And I have to disagree with that. Human beings are complicated creatures. This situation is a complicated situation with a virus which a year and a half ago, people said, we don't know anything about this. It's novel. It's new, mm -hmm. right? And we're combating it with vaccines that have no long-term safety studies behind them, ultimately. So it's very complicated and it shouldn't be simplified. That's right. my point here. Right. And not only do we not know the long-term effects, even the short term is beginning to show signs of not exactly matching what was expected. Yeah, people who thought that their bodily health was going to be protected by the vaccines mm -hmm. are discovering now that they wane fairly quickly after about four months, that boosters are now in the future for these folks every six months or so. And in some respects, if I had taken the vaccines, which I have not, mm -hmm. I think I'd feel a little bit ripped off right about now with the promises of immunity and protection and all this stuff. And studies around the world are beginning to show that it's not as much protection as they thought, or mm -hmm. as people were told, and that's very disconcerting. And in light of that, I sense that the message is also being changed, not so much to guarantee protection, but now it's your guarantee protection against worse ailments. It will protect you from encountering greater ill or even death. Well, in fact, there may be some truth to that. Right. I mean, the early trials of the vaccines by these companies seem to show that kind of promise. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's not just the short term that we're talking about. That's why it's not a simple thing. Mm -hmm. It's long term. What is society going to look like in one year, two years, five years, if 100% of the population are forced or coerced into taking these vaccines and having to juice up again every six months, what's going to happen to the health of the nation if we're dependent upon that? And not enough focus being put on people's natural immunity and diets and lifestyles, all the things that are affecting our immune systems. Mm -hmm. uh, there's really little or no talk, unless I'm listening to a different station or reading a different uh, paper or whatever. I don't see much of that, if any of it. There's little or no talk in the mainstream media, let's say. Mm -hmm. But there are studies going on around the world. For example, there's a giant study in Israel of mm -hmm. 800,000 people. And they compared the rate of hospitalization for people who were double vaccinated and caught covid compared to people who are not vaccinated and who had COVID originally and developed immunity. Mm -hmm. And they discovered that the double vaccinated population is 13 times more likely to be hospitalized if they catch COVID than people who are unvaccinated but have had COVID in the past. So just to be clear, if you did get COVID and you survived it. Yeah, you're 13 times less likely to be hospitalized 
for severe symptoms than somebody who is double vaccinated. Now, you know, that's a study, I granted, mm-hmm. but 800,000 people is a very large study, and that mm-hmm. tends to be a bit more kind of on point than the smaller studies of 100 people or whatever. Right. The people who are con or against the measures and the emphasis on the vaccines, they're the ones saying, look at Israel, look at the UK, look at these countries that are doing these studies. It's not clear cut. Mm-hmm. And if it's not clear cut, then why are you pushing the vaccine on everyone through these vaccine mandates and passports and coercing people into doing this thing if it's not clear cut? Exactly. And that's really the purpose of this discussion here today, because we're talking about primarily the right to choose. Yeah. Because basically we all have our way of thinking and we're always kind of seeking information to support that as well. Mm-hmm. Imagine yourself if you're already vaccinated especially if you're doubly vaccinated and even considering a booster at this point. Pretty tough to begin to listen to the other side without being very concerned about your own well-being. Well, yeah, I mean, there's this confirmation bias that goes on on both sides of the argument, as we know, and people have talked about this. So, yes, if you've gone down the route of the mainstream messaging, it's very, very difficult to re-evaluate those choices and say, I wonder whether this was a mistake or not. Maybe there's something here that I should have paused around and not rushed into. It's very hard to do that. And let's be clear here. You and I have discussed this off the podcast. Neither one of us kids ourselves. Both you and I acknowledge that either one of us could get this, that certainly we would get sick, and perhaps we might even lose our lives for all we know. So during this discussion, we're not putting ourselves above any of this. We're simply trying to shed some light on this whole subject and try to balance the conversation a little bit. The point that we're making here is that this is about the right to choose. This is about do you have control of your own body and your own health? Should a government or any individual have the power to make you do something to your body that you are unsure about the safety of. Mm -hmm. And it seems like when I think about that and look at social media and stuff, what people refer to often is this thing called the Nuremberg Code. And I don't know how many people are aware of the Nuremberg Code. 1947, wasn't it? Yeah, 46, 47. Mm -hmm. The Nuremberg trials of the Nazi war criminals Mm -hmm. included aspects of experimentation that were done on prisoners in camps against their will, obviously. Mm -hmm. And they produced these codes of, in a sense, medical ethics around experimentation and consent. Can I just read you? What the original document said? Yes, please I have it do. here, actually. Yeah, go ahead. It says here, The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. Mm -hmm. So that code is essentially accepted around the world, not as official national law per se, but as one of those ethical, moral codes that is understood as a fundamental To our freedom of choosing. For all humanity. For all humanity. That has been forgotten in some ways. 
So let's assume that it's not forgotten, or let's assume that all sides here are aware of that. Well, mm -hmm. certainly anyone who's listening is now aware of it. Right. Thanks, Harry. <laughs> but even though you just read it, even though we know that it's there and it's an actual code and so on, it's not something that we're making up, the argument can still come back and say, well, you're endangering other people. So by refusing to accept an experimental vaccine that could harm me because the long-term safety studies are not there, by choosing that over taking the vaccine, I'm harming society in some way. That's the assumption being made, right? That's the assumption. Let me read you one other thing I found, okay? Mm -hmm. a, a comment from a Facebook thread yep. by a woman, and here's what she says. The other thing I find ridiculous is that people will fight tooth and nail about the autonomy of a woman's body to choose to abort her child to the tune of over half a million abortions per year in the States, but suddenly people shouldn't have the right to choose what is injected into their bodies. Hmm, you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about Roe versus Wade and all of these abortion cases, the fundamentals that the court always comes back to is the right of the individual, whether it's a woman or whoever, mm -hmm. to their own bodily integrity to decide what goes in or comes out of their body. Mm -hmm. You can't have it both ways, as this woman says on this post. Either we do have that fundamental right to our bodily integrity, and we should not be punished for exercising that right, mm -hmm. or we don't. And we're living in some kind of a society that I'm not happy about, for sure. Mm -hmm. And in this particular case, generally here, we're talking about the population at large, which to me is essentially the adult population, because there's something else that I personally take some real issue with. Now, as adults, we all make decisions, and we all know that when we make decisions, there is always a consequence, whether we want it, yeah. understand it, whatever. There's always a consequence to every single decision we make. Right. But we're adults. So what I see right now, speaking to friends, family members, and so on, we can look at each other, agree to disagree, and basically, we're all going to get the consequence of whatever choice we've made. But there's a group which I feel very, very strongly about, and in part because I also have a granddaughter, which has opened my eyes to many things. But here's a situation where they're now going after youth. Yeah. Youth that's, by and large, not compromised, mm -hmm. generally healthy. Right. Especially the very young ones yeah. who have tremendous immune systems, assuming that they have normal health, because there are compromised youths too. In fact, when I hear of young people who are either very sick or die of COVID, I go to great lengths to find out who they are. Mm -hmm. And there may be situations, I'm not versed enough to know every situation, but the ones that I've investigated, they've always been compromised. And generally it's obesity. Yeah, and don't forget, the annual flu kills more children than COVID has, just as a fact. Right, but my point is whether you agree on every single detail, children are completely at our mercy. Yeah. When yeah. you and I decide something, right. we're, we're grown-ups. Sure. We've had our lives, and uh, whatever happens, happens. We understand that there's repercussions. The, but a child, child doesn't. Especially a child. With a teenager, you might be able to argue. But someone five, six, seven-year-old, they have absolutely zero say in this matter. Yeah, right. And you're really messing with someone who's already shown to be healthy and functioning and doesn't have any problem that you know about. And now it's being pushed 
a great deal, it seems to me anyway, this whole, we'll have it by fall, we'll have it by winter. That's the direction we're heading. Well, the vaccine companies are promising vaccines available from five years to 12 year olds mm -hmm. now, soon, sort of thing, as if they really, really need it. They don't. Right. And in fact, you know, right now, 12 year olds in some jurisdictions do not even have to have the consent of their parents yes. to go and get this vaccine, which to me is obscene, actually. I've already heard it's, of a couple of personal cases where that's becoming a real problem. Yeah. And I can even see perhaps some quasi-violent confrontations in this regard, but that's another story. So because of this and because of my own feelings about this, of course, the comeback is also, well, for decades, children have been taking routine shots that they had no say in, right. polio and, sure. and so on. They're trying to compare it to that. What is the difference? The pro people are saying, what is the difference? It's the same as taking a measles shot or rabies, polio. Kids take them all the time. This is just another one of those vaccines. Well, I don't think that's been proven. Well, that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah. It hasn't been proven. And it's a new technology. I mean, it's been around and worked with for probably 20 years, as people are quick to point out, oh, it's not new at all. However, inoculating hundreds and hundreds of millions of people with it is new, mm -hmm. and there are no long-term safety studies on that. So don't uh -huh. tell me this is not an experiment. The companies themselves admit that they're still in these trial phases. The trial phases are not finished. We are part of the trial phase, is what people are saying, mm -hmm. who are hesitant about it and want to hit the pause button and say, let's slow this down, folks. The science isn't decided, so why are you pushing this so hard? Why aren't you mm -hmm. pushing treatments, early right. treatments? Right, but I want to go back to what I was talking about with the children because it seems to me that this push is really being promoted, it seems, primarily because they can't get to the numbers that they originally wanted to get to in terms of percentage of the population. Right, among the adults. Among the adults. Yeah, because there's a certain percentage of us as adults who are either convinced that it's not the right time to get the vaccine, it's too soon, mm -hmm. or we feel we have a health condition that is not conducive to taking this vaccine. And because the vaccine companies, the data is not fulsome enough in many of these areas, they cannot say this vaccine is safe and effective for everyone. Mm -hmm. There are certain people with certain autoimmune disorders or with heart conditions or what have you that should stay away from it. But there are many others who are kind of in the gray zone where there isn't enough data yet, but they're telling us, go ahead and take it anyway. Mm -hmm. So as adults, we have a right to our bodily integrity. It's a fundamental right. And many people are saying, I choose not to do this right now. Okay. They should not be punished. They are being punished and coerced into taking this thing against their will. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the kicker. The pro people say, no, 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 you're not being forced. You're being mandated. Mm -hmm. And you're free to choose mm -hmm. to not do this. But there are consequences. Now, if that isn't forced, I don't know what is. If the consequence is losing your job and not feeding your family and losing your rent, that is force. That is coercion. That is not, it's your choice and there are consequences. Mm -hmm. We're just incentivizing you to do it. No. Well, not only do I agree with that basic statement, but now it's even being said openly. We need to find ways to get this percentage up. This is going to push more people 
exactly. They're not even hiding the fact that mm-hmm. the vaccine passports are designed to push people who are not vaccinated into getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It's not because it's going to make the pandemic ease up and go away any faster, yada, yada, yada. They're not going in that direction. They're simply saying we want to force people to take the vaccine who are hesitant, period. Mm-hmm. It's just a tool. It's a big yeah. hammer. Yeah to hammer people into doing this thing that they're not willing to do and have a right not to do yep. under international codes of medical ethics. I'm sorry I'm getting worked no, up No, 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 it's okay. But- Actually, I'm learning in this process because in my own household, I'm experiencing your kind of passion about this. And it's not that I don't feel it, but I tend to communicate it differently. So I'm learning. I just want to make it clear in this discussion that our purpose here. We're not telling the people who are getting vaccinated not to. Exactly. It's their choice. If the choice either way brings with it the consequence of losing your job and not being able to feed your kids, that is no longer an incentive to get the vaccine. That is a hammer. That is coercion and force in my books. And you can't play around with words and blur the lines there. I'm sorry. It's very clear cut. Being Uh, honest with you. Well, I'm glad you're being honest because I want to emphasize your particular response to this as what I deem very critical going forward. I don't see this as ending. I see this COVID situation continuing well past the fall into the winter. This is not something they're just going to automatically say, oh, in a three-month window, four-month window. Personally, I think this is going to continue for a long time. COVID will enter the realm, again, just my opinion, in the realm of colds, flus, and we're just going to adapt and learn to live with it. Some of us will get sick. Some of us will even die as many things that we live with. And yes, is it serious? Yes, I agree, all of that. But we have now a situation that this push, unfortunately, what you just expressed, I'm glad that you expressed it because I think you represent a fair percentage of people who feel as strongly as you actually stronger because you're still dealing with it only with the words. Yeah, and I'm not uh, raising the specter of conspiracy theories and agendas and all this stuff. I don't need to go there to make my point. My actual concern is beyond the words level. I actually see this escalating to people in grocery lineups, movie theaters, restaurants. Mm -hmm. And I feel that even now, a lot of the information is being suppressed because I can see the level of angst that people Mm. on both sides are experiencing. Right. And as this continues, our ability to be rational will diminish accordingly. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, even in BC with the vaccine passport just recently brought in, Mm -hmm. there have been fistfights, other kinds of altercations, restaurants hiring security guards to man the front of the restaurant to Mm -hmm. check people's QR codes and Mm -hmm. such. That scenario... It's not something I savor to live in as a society where there's security in front of places checking your passports, your papers. Mm -hmm. And people on the Internet, the more extreme ones, liken this situation to the early stages of Nazism and fascism and such. And people like to come down hard on those people. Oh, you idiots. This is Canada. This will never happen in Canada. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But never is a strong word. The other thing that I find disturbing, too, is that, uh, again, in personal direct conversations with people, I'm not going to give out any names in this podcast, but even people who are vaccinated, 
and are basically adhering to mm -hmm. the message at large. Yeah. They themselves are questioning some of these actions. There are restaurant owners who are concerned about turning away customers that they've had for five and 10 and 15 years. They're not all clear cut and in adherence to yeah. what's being pushed. They don't all agree that all their customers should be turned away if they don't have a passport. So this begs another question. How much energy, how much resource is going to be used up attempting to quell something that simply will not be adhered to by everyone? That you're not going to be able to stop it. You have to educate people and so on. Yeah, and inevitably measures brought in that are kind of over the top and extra careful and all that. What happens is people just get tired of following these rules and they just start to loosen up and they're not as mm -hmm. serious about them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know? mm -hmm. And there are social media groups I've discovered that are groups of business people, thousands upon thousands of them, who are each declaring in their statements, I am not turning anyone away based upon their health status. Everyone is welcome into my establishment. And they'll get fined for it, mm. but they don't care because they feel so strongly about this issue that they're willing to bear the cost of that. Right? Mm -hmm. In fact, I wrote a letter to my favorite restaurant here in town, to the chef and owner, expressing my thoughts about the situation because in Ontario, we're about to have a vaccine passport come into effect September 22nd, mm -hmm. next week which means that restaurants will not be legally allowing people into their interior to eat without a passport, without the papers, right? Mm -hmm. So I wrote to my favorite restaurant chef and I said, basically, you should know that more people than you think mm -hmm. are not vaccinated and you're shutting those people away from your business. You're going to lose that business, period. Secondly, it's harder to get staff these days in all kinds of sectors of the economy. Mm -hmm. You may be having trouble getting staff as well. It's already happening. So supporting these vaccine passports is not necessarily going to improve your business or bring it back to where it was pre-COVID. It's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So people are sharing their thoughts, as I did, more and more. And it's becoming, as you say, an issue that is beyond the disease it's beyond the decisions being made even. It's about human interaction mm -hmm. in the community. Yes. And the divisiveness is something that is more virally debilitating yeah. than the disease itself, right. frankly. And now, because you talked about the restaurants, I will talk about it from my perspective. So I feel the same. And I've had a similar situation with a couple of restaurant owners. And my response, in fact, not only response, but I empathize with their situation because those that are going to adhere to this 100%, I want them to understand that I do not take it personally. If I go to a restaurant and they say to me, the rule is, the rule of law at this point or the situation is such that if you don't show me that passport, I'm sorry, you can't come into this establishment. Well, someone like me, it's fairly easy because I know my own priority. You can't tell me that not getting on a plane or not getting into a restaurant, that's not going to make me change my point of view because my primary reason for not doing it is not mm -hmm. about not having these advantages, even though I don't think it's necessarily fair or I don't agree with it. Right. So my position is very simple, and I think there's going to be more of my kind of people as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many, who basically will go to that restaurant 
and say, I understand. I guess I can't come in. Call me when it's over. Yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> home and make my dinner and yeah. whatever. I mean, it's great to have and I love it. However, I'm not going to starve to death if I don't come into your restaurant. In the streets of Paris, and I've seen the videos, there are people buying food and gathering in front of these bistros that are now mostly empty, sitting on the sides of the road and the streets and the sidewalks and picnicking in front of the restaurant as a statement saying, you want to shut us out in that way? This is what's going to happen. You're mm. not going to get our business. So there are different ways that people are expressing their feelings about it all around the world. In the UK, very recently, they just came out saying there will be no vaccine passport. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Now, the UK is one of the more highly vaccinated countries yes, in is. Europe and the world. Mm-hmm. Israel's the most vaccinated, likely. Mm-hmm. And look at what is happening in those countries. The UK is saying no vaccine passport. Israel is pushing it hard, pushing for more boosters, mm-hmm. and yet their numbers of vaccinated people in hospital is rising exponentially. They're really beginning to see the waning of the vaccines, mm-hmm. right? So those two countries, we should be looking at those countries very carefully because they are the future. They are ahead of the wave. What's happening there is what we are going to be experiencing mm-hmm. as time unfolds with this Delta variant or Mu variant or what have you. Yeah, there tends to be a three to six week lag on these things. Are we looking at them? Are we thinking about that? I don't hear the leaders in our country talking about the UK and Israel and all that. It's all very silo-like and all very inward looking. Oh, this is our country. This is our situation. It's not the same. Not just that. The entire funnel right now, at least this is the way I'm reading it, the entire funnel is pointed to getting the number of people vaccinated. you got to get that percentage up. It used to be 70, 75. Yeah. Now 90 is required. Yeah, they keep moving the goalposts. <laughs> yeah, they keep right? moving the goalposts. You know why? Because they're discovering that no matter how many people you get vaccinated, you can't stop the virus. And as we know, double vaccinated people can get the virus and spread it just as easily mm-hmm. as unvaccinated people. Sorry, folks, but that's the CDC has even mentioned that. So don't pretend that you're safe and you're unselfish and caring by being double vaccinated when other people who are not are selfish and caring. Mm. There's a real disconnect with reality amongst people who are vaccinated in a way. They think they're good now. They're good. Right. Going back to our personal choices. Yeah. We're illuminating on other areas. And of course, our own particular biases and feelings are coming through. And essentially, I do agree with you, by the way, But I'm trying to figure out a way myself. How do we communicate this information so that more people will understand that the struggle here is it should not be us going against each other. We need to examine our institutions, our sources. We need to redirect our questions and we need to not feel uncomfortable asking questions. That's the way I'm experiencing this. So I know of a specific example where a person in their early 20s who wanted to get vaccinated only because they thought they couldn't get into a concert with their friends. Exactly. And I know that this happens even amongst adults. Oh, yeah. So my concern is more of you're making a very serious, potentially life-altering decision here Mm -hmm. based on some inconvenience. Yep, yep. And unfortunately, that also changes the numbers. So suddenly now you can say that 70% or 80% are vaccinated. But how many of those 70 or 80 percent 
have made them based on actual decisions about their health. Mm -hmm. I also feel it's wrong for both sides to look down on the other for whatever reasons they have for making those choices. So someone who decides to take the vaccine because they feel their health is threatened have equal rights to the person who feels the opposite. Not now we don't. No, I know we don't, but that's how I feel about this whole thing. Well, yeah, it should be that way. Right. But it is not that way because governments have imposed these measures unilaterally without debates in parliament and legislation and all this stuff. It's all under the umbrella of an emergency situation, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. And they feel under that situation they can do anything they damn well please Well, we know that's not quite true because, as we know, Doug Ford, the Premier of Ontario, tried to get the police to stop people randomly and check and ask them where they're coming from, where they're going to. And the police Mm -hmm. said, we're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And he had to backtrack. Mm -hmm. So as long as the population is on board and supportive and goes along with these things, you can have tyranny all you like. But the minute the population stands up or sectors of it and says, nope, we're not doing that. For example... You've got a certain percentage of nurses and health practitioners mm-hmm. who are saying no to the vaccine at the cost of their jobs or being laid off. The result, hospitals are now short of staff, mm-hmm. short of nurses. And those poor people, those heroes that we've idolized, are now under more pressure than ever because they're forcing these nurses to lose their jobs because of their choice of protecting their bodies. So do you know what comes to my mind immediately when I see that? Yeah. When I hear even 6%, 3%, 5% of nurses, doctors, apparently it applies to doctors too, although you don't read about that. You always read about the nurses. That's also groups of doctors that sure. are choosing not to be vaccinated. Right. When I hear that, what comes immediately to my mind is whatever side of the fence you're on, Does that not beg even a question or a thought? People who are on the front line dealing with this day in and day out, who are putting their lives at risk, who are they themselves Mm -hmm. not opting for the vaccine? I know, I know. So if we can agree, at least as a society, that we will not come to a conclusion on this, that no matter how much we talk about this, there's going to be a division in terms of how we feel. The only thing left, in my opinion, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, is giving people the right to make a choice. Without consequences. Without consequences. (laughs) Hang on a second. There's an argument to be made against that. The argument is you can't do anything you want in society and not have consequences. If you hit somebody over the head with a hammer, there'll be consequences and your bodily integrity and health will be compromised because you're going to be ripped away from your house and stuck in a prison cell eating shit prison food, maybe. So there are consequences to our actions. Now, related to me in terms of I choose not to be vaccinated at this time. What's the consequence? The consequence? Who am I endangering by making that choice? Well, you're not endangering anyone specifically. Right. A concept in a sense. Okay. A concept of the common good. In other words, if you have it and you're infected, you could infect someone else. Okay. Okay? The counter to that argument is if you're double vaccinated and you're infected, you can infect someone else. There is no difference at that level difference is that if you're vaccinated, you won't suffer as much from the symptoms as somebody who is not vaccinated that you might give it to. But otherwise, you're on the same playing field.
each one of us yeah. takes all of this in, whether it's dialogue with our neighbors, whether it's media, whether it's your practitioner, your family doctor, whomever you're going to, or whatever source you're getting, you're taking all that in and you're deciding on risk benefit. Ultimately, we make a decision. Why is this any different? Why is this whole decision to be vaccinated or not vaccinated simply not a matter of choice? Right. Okay. I hear you. If you decide to smoke cigarettes starting at the age of 15 or 13 or whatever, which many people do, and smoke for 50 years, mm -hmm. and then you end up in the hospital and you die of lung cancer, that's a cost-benefit analysis that you made, and you knew that there was that possibility happening. Mm -hmm. However, same with eating shit food and becoming obese for your life and developing all kinds of health conditions. In both cases, you're going to be taxing the healthcare system. Yep. You're going to be taxing the hospital system as well. Mm -hmm. So why isn't the government coming down on obese people and on people who smoke and saying, if you smoke, I'm sorry, there are consequences to that. You're mm -hmm. going to lose some of your social privileges. Same with obese people. Maybe you need a fat passport, as a podcaster suggested, saying yeah. maybe there should be a fat passport. And these people should be incentivized, encouraged to lose some weight because the strain on the healthcare system from obesity alone, the most like it's 80% of the people who have died of COVID are obese. Yes. Obesity is one of the main factors. And that comes from the CDC directly. Right. And we're not yeah. trying to shame fat people. No. We're just saying no. that that is a fact. And why is the government not talking about that as a primary goal to reduce obesity, to improve people's health and their immune systems? They're not doing that. They haven't done it. They've never done it from yeah. the beginning or of focus, this thing. Or focus their attention on all the industries that were allowed to create all these things that have done these things to us. Yeah, they make the shit food yeah. and the crap food and the cigarette <laughs> makers and all that stuff. Well, you let's, know, seriously. Well, let's not hold back, Harry. Let's I'm just not go holding back. No, no. I, I mean, listen, if we're going to talk about life yeah, and reality, it's all connected. It's all part of the scenario and the story we're living in. Mm -hmm. So why can't I talk about tobacco and fast food garbage that people are horking down their gullets and getting sick from and, and taxing the healthcare system? Why shouldn't they have to pay the way people who are choosing to not vaccinate are being told you have to pay a consequence? Yep. I'm asking the question. I think it's a legitimate right? question. Seriously. My body and my choice, basically. That applies to everyone, men, women, children, whoever. So how do we solve this conundrum? Well, that's a good question. It's not about solving. It's mm. about withstanding in many ways. It's about living through and keeping your humanity intact. It's about caring for your fellow human beings and showing some respect for their decisions to do or not do mm -hmm. these kinds of things without accusing them of being selfish and uncaring idiots. We are not uncaring idiots. I'm sorry. On either side. On either side. People mm. are doing their best. We have to allow for that and to try to soften the rhetoric that goes back and forth. I think most people on both sides are essentially, in a way, unconscious of how they got to that position. If you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Right? Yes, Where I do. if you hear something long enough, it starts to seep into the very cells. That was your term. The very cells of your body, of your mind, of your brain. Yeah. And suddenly you find yourself thinking those same thoughts. In some respects, that's how propaganda works. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. But it also that's also how plain and simple persuasion works. If you can present the facts really well and clear, 
people will go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. There are those people who will get over to one side or the other through those means. And then there are others who just can't really spend the time looking into these things and just follow the rules. And I just thought of something really simple, too. How great is this? I mean, this would not have been possible 20 years ago. We're doing a podcast. We're not being restricted. No governing body that's telling us what we can and can't say. I think we're acting fairly decently here. We're just expressing thoughts and opinions. We're not being censored for now. Although I've already seen articles talking about the way podcasts, organizations can begin to monitor the content and to suppress some things, misinformation, what have you. So podcasting won't be exempt ultimately, I think, in the end. But for now, we yes, we, we have a certain kind of freedom to express our thoughts as we wish to express them. Whether you agree with the general conversation here or not, I hope that this makes you feel a little bit less alone. There's a whole world out there of all kinds of people with all kinds of thoughts yeah. being freely expressed. Are we going to be able to keep a dialogue open and even agree to disagree. I agree with you. And on that note, send in your comments. I know some of the things I say are not going to be taken well by many of you. And I'd like to hear from you and in a respectful manner, please, because I'm not interested in slagging you for your position exactly. And you don't have to slag me, but you can correct me if I'm wrong or inaccurate in my points that I'm making. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's create a dialogue. Send in your comments. There's an audio record button. You can just hit record and send in your comments. We'll play them. And thanks to all of you, because we are getting people in other countries and other languages even that are responding or at least listening. And our recent addition to podcast radio in the UK. Yeah. Thank you to them as well for reaching out and playing us on their system, which for any of you out there who are listening, podcast radio does nothing but play podcasts for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. So that any of you who are not familiar with mobile devices, or if you've got a DAB radio in Europe, or you have access to the internet, podcastradio.co.uk. Yeah. Not just for this, but for hundreds and thousands of other podcasts that may be of interest to you. Brilliant. And on that note, we're going to say, ciao, Peter. Ciao, Harry. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to the SIL podcast.